how does love work? Does it reach out? Does it restrict? Does it say this is right, this is wrong? How does love work? When you see love working in your life, does it just, what's the direction of love? Out, ever expanding. The truth of love is that it is always called to be greater. Jen and Chris, several years ago, brought the work that Chris started in South Central LA. And he didn't start because he was looking for a mission opportunity. He was asked to give a ride to a woman who needed to give milk to a family. And he said, I can drive you. And he drove. And he met the family. And they're looking at me like, white boy, why are you here? I'm here to drive. And I got to know him, and he drove her again. He learned to love the kids. He learned to love Jen. Jen learned to love him, and Jen loved what Chris loved. And so they together took on this project, and they loved this church, and this church loved them. And pretty soon, we are helping. Gary, stay out of gangs. We are helping kids whose parents wouldn't dream of going to school go to college. We have provided computers, basketballs, games, opportunities in life that would have never been there before. Why? Because that's what love does. And now we have people in the community saying, you're helping here. This is really weird. Why are a church helping? You know, why is a church helping? I'd like to match what the church is doing. I said, really? Here's how much the church is helping. I'm like, oh. And then people are matching in the community. This is what love does. Every time I see love, it is so clear. Have you ever had to convince Yourself, when you were seeing true love? Have you ever thought, oh, I don't know if this is really love? When you see love, it is just so. It's there. The last wedding I performed solo, can I do this? Gabe and, and um, Jim got married. Just come back from their honeymoon. And they never thought that they would be able to get married because they're a gay couple. And their wedding, when you have been denied something your whole lives and been told, oh, it's not for you. You can't have what we have. The community of that celebration of love was uncontrolled. It was the Holy Spirit pouring forth. It was awesome and last night um, I did another wedding kind of uh, the the Corona Del Mar UCC church is between pastors and they allow other people to come in and do weddings but because they don't want to lose their tax exempt status and have to pay uh, you know taxes under sanctuary they need somebody official from the church and they've asked me during this interim time if I would do that fine I will welcome you on behalf of the church and then I will sit down while your minister marries and 
the language that's, if you want to go ultra-conservative and traditional, it's we believe that in the tradition of our faith, a man, you know, God calls a man to leave his mother and a woman to leave her home and to two together to become one flesh, which is very traditional language. Most couples actually don't read that now. The minister was uh, 16 years at Saddleback. And it was, I swear to God, I, I, I kid you not, we believe that a God calls one man and one woman. Literally, the language of politics brought it into a sanctuary that has never been a part of a religious service. In the history of Christianity, that language has never been here. Ever. Ever. And I thought, he was saying, this is what love is. This is what love is. If you want to understand love, you need to look down this lens. And if you look outside that lens, you miss it. And I was just so sad. The couple, it fit their theology. The, the people loved the service. But I thought, Jesus is weeping. I have other sheep, Jesus says. I have other sheep that are not in this flock. You don't know who they are. They hear my voice. Are you going to tell them they're not part of my flock? Are you going to tell them they don't understand the love of their shepherd who lays down his life for all of us? If you are like me, you look at everything you could be doing in the world and you think, wow, did I fail today. How many of you feel this way? I look at everything that, I mean, I've got my inbox is this tall. And I get to the end of the day, and sometimes I was like, I only have three things I want to get done today, and I don't get to a single one of them because they are overcome by events. Other things come up. And I am always left, always left with more to do and more I wish I could have accomplished. And here's what it says in John. Even when our hearts condemn us, even when at the end of the day, Connie says, I wish I'd have been able to get back to NCC a week earlier. Even when Phyllis says, I wish my body was a little stronger that I could get to church and see the people I love. Even when we say, I wish I could go with Sabonfu and go back in her village and just hold her. Even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And God accepts us and loves us and gathers us in like a mother hen gathers her chicks. That's what love does. We live in a world that this is going to be real really fast. If you are white in the United States in how many years? 15, 20? I don't know what it is, but we are going to be the minority that is scaring the living daylights out of people. That is terrifying people. 
They want to make sure that our privilege is preserved. We live in a world where radicals of all different faiths, but right now Islam is really kind of taking it up a notch, are killing people in the name of religion. And we have people who want to say, if you're a Muslim, then you are against God. Islam was much more tolerant than Christianity for much of its history. Much of its history. Are we going to say we believe in a God where love and our concern and our actions keep going out? Are we going to say this is what love is and here's who we care about? Who are we going to follow? Who will be our shepherd? What other sheep will we recognize and celebrate? That's the question we face as a church, as a community, as a nation, as a world. And if we are going to be a Christian voice, we have to let people make their mistakes and move on. Peter, the last thing Peter really says to Jesus, not directly to him, but he's in the courtyard. Surely you knew him. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't know him. You look really familiar. Surely you were one of his followers. I tell you, I don't know him. Now, I know I recognize you. I tell you, I don't know the man. Cock crows three times. Jesus is denied by Peter three times. Jesus is in that courtyard during that denial. Is Peter's work done because he's screwed up? Fortunately, Peter's the only one in this church who has screwed up. Right? None of us... None of, nobody else in here has, well, except for me. And then, according to Paul, Jesus is the first one that, Peter's the first one that Jesus comes back to, and then at the end, you know, they, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I know you love my lambs, tend my sheep. He asked him three times, one for each denial. Do you love me? Of course I love you. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. We are given another chance, even when our hearts condemn us. And i got to tell you, no one felt lower than Peter. And yet, he was the rock that the church was built upon, allegedly. But he had work to do, and he did it. He allowed his love to overcome his denial, his betrayal, are we, even when we are faced with actions in our past, that we think we need to get past that? Will we get past it? Will we allow our hearts to expand and love? That's the only question about the future of a church. If it's the church, the answer is yes. If it's not the church, the answer is no. Something to think about.
Amen.